Listening Dog Media. The Hot Mess Mum. The mum most likely to send her kids to school in regular clothes on non-school uniform day. The mum who forgets to sign the permission slip for school trips. The mum who has probably put leftovers in her kids' lunchbox on more than one occasion. But most importantly, the hot mess mum is actually rocking it and is doing a far better job than even she thinks. Please welcome our hot mess mums, telling it as it is, Kelly and Jenny Powell. It is the Hot Mess Mums Club podcast. I'm Kelly Pegg. And I'm Jenny Powell. And I say this with a smile on my face because, oh, I think it was the year 2000, I'm not sure, when I first met this beautiful lady inside and out. She is the one and only beautiful golden girl, Melinda Messenger. Oh, I've been so looking forward to having you on. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much, both of you. The Swan Stealth Range has arrived. We'll be telling you more about this gorgeous set of brand new products from Swan a little later on. To check them out, just head to swanbrand.co.uk. Use the discount code HOTMESSMUMS20 for 20% off. The Hot Mess Mums Club with Swan. Celebrating 90 years of magic moments. So, so at the time, Kelly, just you know and everyone else, we were... Um, we were young. You haven't changed a bit, by the way. You Not haven't. one bit. Neither of you. And um, yeah, so it's been, um, and it's over twenty years ago then. And uh, you were at the time like this, the the woman on page three. You were the millennial woman, um, and you. Uh, I mean, it's bizarre, really, because I don't think of you like that at all. Um, but you were sort of asked to do um, some presenting on a show that we were doing called um, the Live Six Show. And it was live for Sky. And you were one of the presenters. And you came in from the world of glamour and bang, she smashed it, literally. Um, And that's where we met. And that was 20 odd years ago. Um, And I've, you know, obviously kept an eye. I've kept an eye on what you're doing. But you've done so much. I mean, your CV, it's it's ridiculous. I loved Fort Boyard. I liked, um, I loved it when you did um, Melinda's Big Night In. That was Channel 5. Um, I mean, you've done so many things. Um, Live, oh, was it live from Studio 5? Live from Studio 5, yeah. Loose Slips, Cowboy Builders, Cowboy Traders. Um, yeah, wish you were here, all those sorts of things. I think I've done every genre of TV there is, you know, you know, even like Dancing on Ice, The Jump, um, Big oh, Brother, yeah, the jump. all of those oh, things. Yeah. Yeah. I can't yeah, believe you did that. I mean, I've been asked to do that and I'm like, are you joking? Yeah. I get these little pockets in my life where I suddenly think, you know what, it would be really nice to have like a new adventure, do something completely different. And then an invite like that will come in. And I'm like, that's terrifying. I'm going to do it. <laughs> and then there are other <laughs> times. Do you think that comes with age? Do you think it comes with age as you get older? You're like, oh, sod it. I might as well do it, it now. You know what the hell? It, de- it definitely does. I definitely care less now about, um, oh, my God, how am I going to come across? What will people think of me? What if it all goes yeah. wrong? What if I can't do it? You know, all the things that would make me, you know, want to stay in my comfort zone and kind of shy away. Now I'm kind of like, oh, what does it matter? We've got one life. You know, what's my mantra was always, what is the worst that can happen to me? And sometimes the worst did happen, but I survived it. <laughs> And then I was like, okay, well, it was still fine. I'm still here. I'm still alive. It's still all okay. You know, it's like, what do we find out if we don't try? 
You're so right. And and I do admire the fact, though, that you do, you know, Melinda, you, you always speak out, um, you know, you, you with your beliefs. It's, tri- it's tricky in the media and it's tricky because, you know, it's, you, you know, you've got to earn a living. I don't care what anyone says, but everyone's pressured in one way or another, aren't they? Sometimes if they have their own very strong personal beliefs. And I remember way back when, when you were on this morning and Dr. Steele and you had a bit of a fallout and it was over a vaccine. But I thought, do you know what? She... And I sat there and I thought, everyone's just going to come tumbling down on me. But you know what? She's she's right. And she's right for, for, first of all, saying what she believes in. But she's right to make the decision to sort of sit there on that sofa and sort of, you know, mainstream telly. And for the the first time, uh, make the rest of us feel quite guilty who are in showbiz because there weren't many people doing that at the time. There's more now because of social media and they can sort of stay, you know, they say a lot more on there. But to do it on national telly, I just thought, good for you. Yeah, well, it just felt so important to me. You know, I, I when when that was all happening, how many, ever many years ago now, I think Evie was about 13 years old and she's 17, coming up 18 now. Um, you know, it was relatively new, this HPV vaccine. And what, when I got, got sent that form, I just thought, well, what is it, first of all? And then when I started looking into it, I at the number of people, the number of stories I heard, number of mums that, you know, said, look, this has happened to my daughter. More than anything, I was like, why the hell are we not doing anything for these girls? Why the hell are questions not being asked? You know, forget forget everything else. If there is a group of people, a percentage of people saying, this has harmed my child in some way, don't we all have like a collective responsibility to speak up? And their voices couldn't get heard. And I felt really passionately about that. I didn't care whether it, you know, whether my point of view was right or wrong. That was not the point. The point was, we had to question it. We had to question it. We had to find some answers. We had to find some ways forward. These families needed to be heard and they weren't. They, they were being vilified. And the minute I see that, you know, my senses really go on alert. And I'm like, hang on a minute. Why, why, when, why are we condemning so strongly? Why? What is the real story here? And why, isn't, why aren't some things up for debate? Or you felt yeah. like they're not up for debate? And, and also... That's the point, isn't oh, it? Sorry. Asking, like you say, asking questions and worrying about things being up for debate. They're the two things. They are the, that's the biggest red flag for me. When someone says you can't talk about it, you this can't be discussed i'm like why you know what is going on here we should be able to talk about everything you know we might not like the answers but we should be able to talk about the minute we say this is not a conversation somebody can have then there's a problem that needs looking at you know whatever that might be yeah it was quite a tough one and especially i think one of the things that Dr. Chris said at the time was, it was, well, there's quite a few things, but the things that I really stuck out for me was, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be asking this question and you shouldn't be asking this question on live TV. And I thought, okay, well, first off, you know, who takes any kind of medical intervention, any kind of medical treatment without asking questions? That's the first thing you do. You know, is yeah. this okay for yes. me? Is this safe? What are the risks? Um, what are the benefits? And and the second point to that, which I just, just you know, kind of blew my mind, was like they'd asked me to come on to talk about it. So you asked me on to talk about it, and then tell me I shouldn't be talking about it. But yeah, you know, 
How do you deal with that afterwards? You know, the backlash from from people because we've got social media. It's a huge, huge thing. People have got lots of opinions, like you say. So you know when you're going to speak your mind on that, that there may be a bit of turn on you afterwards. You've got to be quite thick-skinned. I know from talking to Jenny that working in the TV industry, you become it very quickly. So Mm -hmm. does it affect you after that when you're getting maybe abuse how, how do you Definitely. cope with that and I, I would say well from my experience it's not so much becoming thick-skinned um because actually I'm really not but it's becoming more secure in yourself and your own point of view and that you have a right to speak and it's like for me it's a, it's it's if this is if this is my perspective, if this is my truth, if, if this is how I feel, I have a right to say that everybody does. Um, if it's if whether or not it's liked or well received isn't really my business. There's nothing I can do about that. I, I accept that that people are going to ha- view you and view your opinions, uh, you know, it through their lens. It, they're going to see you the way they see you. And that really isn't my business. You know, that isn't really anything to do with me. Um, but the alternative is what? That you stay quiet out of fear of rejection or ridicule. You know, I can survive that. I can survive rejection and ridicule and all of those things because I know who I am. I'm comfortable with that. Um so, so no, I'm, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to allow myself to, to be shut down. It's basically a form of intimidation, isn't it? And I'm not going to allow myself to be intimidated. Do you think it shocks people um, that you're, you're like that though? Because you're, you're a very intelligent woman. I know, obviously, you've, you're a psychotherapist as well as uh, a TV presenter. But going back to the days where you first came on the scene and you were this beautiful model and, and doing page three and this pinup for, you know, the guys wanted to be with and women wanted to look like, there was this thing with, with the page three, you know, and, and women in general who are beautiful as society, we look at them as, oh, they're gorgeous, but they're obviously not very clever. If you're not very attractive, maybe you are a clever woman. You know, there's been this kind of thing. So... When you started to sort of get that opportunity to show how intelligent you you are and to come away from that, do you think you shocked people? Was it something you wanted people to know? You know, you weren't just a model. There was so much more to you than that. Um, I don't think that I ever consciously thought, oh, I want people to see me in a certain way. Um, That was kind of never any agenda. I was aware of what happened, of what happens. And there, you know, sort of collectively, you know, collectively, we can make all these judgments about people. And like you say, you know, you can be one thing, but not another. You can't be too many things. So, you know, maybe you can be pretty, but you can't be bright. Or maybe you can be bright, but not attractive, whatever. Um, But, you know, I... I know I knew that that was all rubbish, you know, of course it's rubbish. Um, We just, it's more about what we do to ourselves really, isn't it? It's like, how do we limit ourselves? Do we think that, are are we, are we, are we allowed to be all that we are? You know, can we be all of those things? And what really matters, you know, I didn't see myself as beautiful or pretty or any of those things. Um, So there wasn't, any kind of attachment, I suppose. It wasn't like I needed that validated or verified um, because I didn't feel that. Um, 
you know, and still, still don't, you know, I, 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 we, everybody is beautiful. Everybody is beautiful. And there we're all these kind of like unique people. And there are so, we're, and there are so, there are so many layers to us that, you know, that, and that's what makes us interesting or beautiful or attractive. You know, it isn't just this or just this. And I think what we can see in media and social media is, is that, it is this sort of big kind of splitting into parts where we split people. We don't let them be whole. And I was always driven just to be myself no matter what. You know, that's what I always wanted. Um, you know, and it might it might, might be that I didn't follow a predictable path, but a predictable path in whose mind? You know, who, I'm not living for their expectations or ideas. I'm living for my own. Um so, yeah, I guess following that path that I did probably does then end up smashing up some of the boxes that people would like to put you into. Which is great, you know, that you, you did that as well. Because I think it's so easy for women in the media and from many of the guests that we have on to feel like they are put in a box and they do have to stay there. It, it, it's, an, it's like indicative of what happens to us in any walk of life. You don't have to be in the media to experience this, do you? This happens to everybody. We get projections put onto us. So people make up... A, you know, ideas, maybe some based are on reality, some based are on their views and their perceptions. And then it's up to us, do we want to take that projection on? So do we want to take on and then live according to that like limited belief that somebody has of you? You know, your your life is going to stay very small if you do that. So the challenge is, is to think, okay, well, people see me that way, they relate to me in that way. But is that all of me? No. And, uh, you know, and so that is a challenge. And, and it, it and it, the challenge gets more extreme the more of a projection you get. So, you know, in everyday life that will happen. You know, it'll happen from your work colleagues, from your friends, from your family. And then if you come into the sort of media for any reason, you've then got a big collective kind of cloak of attention like that. So then it, it, it does become a challenge. Um, but the worst thing, in my opinion, is to limit yourself because of what other people think of you. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Mm, it's just, and I mean, you were talking about sort of like smashing that box of what people expected you to be like or to do. Um, and then you jumped into such a different box. I mean, so a transpersonal psychotherapist. I don't even know what one is. I don't think I could spell it. <laughs> um, basically, it's um, so... The transpersonal, uh, the reason mm. I, went, I wanted to do this training is because, um, because of, for me, the, so the transpersonal is that which is kind of beyond us. So we look at, we look at, um, so there's a, like kind of a biological makeup, um, you know, our kind of programming, which might be the sort of more sort of psychoanalytical side of things, you know, how, how our early years kind of developed yeah. who we are. Um, and then, so yes, yeah, so you've got the kind of the biological, the humanistic, the psychological kind of forming of who we are. And then you've got the transpersonal, which is like the bigger field. It's like beyond the personal. So, you know, that incorporates like the qualities of us as a human, you know, the qualities of like our soul nature, what, what we kind of carry, like if we were, I always think of it like a stick of rock. You've got this sort of like writing that goes through you. It's almost like that's your kind of soul nature, your soul qualities, you know, yeah. and, and how we can use all of those aspects of us to understand who we are but more importantly to unfold who we are 
so that, mm. you know, we get to live the fullness of our own life and not a, a kind of um, cut off, limited um, version of ourselves that that might be because of you know all the things that we've been talking about how we've been raised how we're treated how we're seen and that, that's really that was really well put actually um and i'm intrigued with your children so you've got there's evie morgan and flynn isn't there because i'm sure one is the same age as connie about 20 morgan yeah okay yeah so um it's a funny old age, isn't it? I'm just, I've got so much to share, but they kind of don't want to hear it yet, but they need to hear it now. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. I, I remember somebody saying to me that you, once they kind of get to this age, so, you know, your role sort of goes from being that kind of like you're driving the car, you've got the hands on the wheel, and then you have to like sit into the passenger seat and let them drive. And it's more like mm. a, a manager, you know. Yeah. And and it's like that. It's kind of you. You, you know. You do have to take the hands off. And yeah, it is challenging because you can see you can see where they're heading. You can see like the mistakes and the pitfalls, and you kind of don't want them to have to like suffer or struggle. But what I've kind of realised, you know, with the help of I guess the work I'm doing is yeah. that actually that's where all the growth is. In in some ways in some ways to kind of rob them of their experience of making mistakes, getting things wrong, you know, being heartbroken, being devastated, all the things that we feel is like, oh, avoid that at all costs. Actually that can often be the making of somebody. Uh, you know, that's where they grow, that's where they develop, that's where they really understand something. So we kind of mm. We don't want to rob them of their process, but it's so hard because it goes against the instincts. Oh, doesn't it? I'm, oh, I'm struggling. Have you got them all at home then? Well, obviously. So you've got, because Evie's 17 coming on to 18. So I just want to put you in your lovely vision of this these beautiful children, this beautiful one floating around, floating around in this lovely house. Go on. Oh, we're not always floating around. Sometimes it's, you know, it, it can be really challenging. But um, yeah, they're, they're all very, very different people. So yeah, Morgan's 20. Flynn is 19. He um, just turned 19. And Evie is 17. Um, they're mm. all at home. Evie, her, when she's back in college, she'll be in Exeter with her dad. Um, otherwise, she's mm. here with me. Um, yeah, the boys are working. Um but yeah, it's um, you know I, I think being being a parent, particularly I, I if you're especially quite a sensitive parent, I am. You know, I'm always like I just want them to be okay. You know, and I remember me and my friend talking about this. She's very similar to me. She said, "God, it's like like being a, being a mother. You know, when you care so deeply about your kids, it's a bit like." dragging your heart along a road you know every kind of like bump and scrape you know it hurts and you know and it, it can be like that at times when they're going through difficult stuff um now it feels a bit more easier they're you know they're they're kind of getting a handle on who they are and and as I say just that sort of taping taking a step back and realizing this is their journey this is their life this is the stuff they've got they've come here to learn you know means that I don't know. It, it helps me handle it in a in a very different way. And what what do they think about you sort of passing you being like you know in page, on page three and all that? Do they think it's just hilarious? I mean, I'm just a big joke when when my daughter looks at FHM or something. She's like, oh my god, did you really do that, mum? What were you thinking? Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. just intrigued with the boys. 
the boys, they're like got two polar opposite opinions. So Morgan is it? Yeah. Morgan just thought, yeah, thinks it's all hilarious, um, you know, and and sort of quite brilliant in a funny way. Um, and I'm just still quite like you. it. Yeah, he's like, good on you. You know, why not? Uh, Flynn, you know, was horrified. He's like, why did you do that? You know, that was awful. Oh, my God. I can't imagine. What What would, you know, he was like the absolute opposite, you know, and I had to explain to him. I'm like, I know you feel like that now. Like, he's like, yeah, but you're my mother and you did that. And I'm like, I know, I know. You weren't at the time, but were you? That's the best. And that was my point. And I'm like, but you've got to remember, I was 27, you know, I, you, you didn't exist then and you know you're gonna do things at 27 that you'll look back and you go I wouldn't necessarily do that at you know 35 40 50 um but that's life that's life Lynn and he kind of got it um Evie is yeah she's just kind of like she's very kind of grounded down to earth with it all um but there's no way she would want to do anything that I've done. She's just, oh, God, no, no, keep keep right. me out of it. But she's very supportive of me. She's like, well, why not? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so, yeah, she, but, yeah, the boys was fascinating to see. Total opposite <laughs> Interesting, yeah. Yeah, I bet the French think you're great, though. That's black and white. That's what I've realised, right? Deep down, they say what they want to say, and then, then they're getting, your mum's just fantastic. Have you looked on the internet? <laughs> The Hot Mess Mums Club with Swan. We'll be back with Melinda, the lovely Melinda, very shortly. But let's first tell you about a brand new range of products from Swan. Sleek, streamlined and stylish. The Swan Stealth range features top level design, high performance and impressive functionality. Its fast, responsive technology for effortless preparation makes it the perfect addition to the kitchen of any rushed off their feet mum. We know all about that. Items in the range include blenders, grills, slow cookers, a personal favourite of mine, microwaves, coffee machines, toasters and awesome kettles. To check out these and more, just head to swanbrand.co.uk. Use the discount code HOTMESSMUMS20 for 20% off. The Hot Mess Mums Club with Swan. Designed for life. I read, uh, well, I was going to say, because you're talking about your daughter being sort of very level-headed, very grounded. I read somewhere that she, I don't know whether this is true, but she gives you dating advice. So she said that you should go to the library. (laughs) I'm intrigued about this. If you want to find the right person, because there's been a lot of headlines about you lately and you're, you know, Toby Maguire, Val Kilmer, all these massive A-listers wanting to date you and you, no, no, no. That was Um, a long time ago though, Kelly. Yes, but I find it, <laughs> I'm sure they still would, but I find it um, dead interesting that she kind of gives you that advice now. And obviously she does sound very sensible, sort of suggesting the library and whatnot. But how does that come about? How do you sit there and she sort of brings it up in the conversation? Um, well, because I, I, yeah, we were talking about it recently. And so I hadn't been, I, I've kind of been single for the last year. I mean, partly because we've all been stuck in our houses. And I was having this conversation. I'm like, you know, I think, it, and, and to be honest, I'm kind of glad to have that time alone. And I, because I kind of didn't want to be diverted away by anybody else, um, or especially starting a new relationship where it sort of consumes your attention and your energy. And I just didn't want that. I wanted it to be I wanted to be able to be like just fully with my kids and be at home and just get through all this crazy stuff that's going on. Um, But they're not, yeah, I was saying, you know, 
it's, you know, maybe it is time I did start to date someone like Arabasim, but I just don't know where I'm going to meet somebody because, A, I never go out. Um, you know, I'm a real homebody. I love my home. You know, I'm not a wild party animal, never never have been. Uh, not to say I don't like a night out once in a while, but it's just kind of not me. And I just said, you know, where am I going to meet somebody that's a really lovely, kind, down-to-earth person? And I said, and the other thing I've got is because there's a perception, you know, the old perception of me being a model and all of the rest of it, a lot of what goes along with that is perception of kind of who you might be. So I could appear and probably do appear and can be quite extrovert, but it's not my nature. I'm really introverted. I like home, quiet, peace, all of the rest of it. And and I so I I have attracted the kind of guy who really likes that lifestyle, which actually is not the lifestyle I live. So I was talking to her about this, you know. I just and she said, "You need to find another introverted person, mum, that's like you, that likes to read, that likes to be at home and go for walks, and you know, enjoys like looking at the birds and the trees." And and she said, "You you know maybe she you know." maybe you need to go and hang out in libraries. <laughs> you know, maybe you'll meet that kind of person there. You're not going to meet them, you know, at a celebrity party or, you know, that kind of event. It's unlikely. And um, and I thought, yeah, yeah, she's, there's probably a lot in that. Um, so she's a, she really wants me to meet somebody. But my kids do. They're like, they're like well, we want you to, to be happy. We want you to be in a relationship. And I think it's hot. When you're the single mum or a single dad, I think it's quite hard to get involved in relationships for a long time. It's, it must be really hard, though, when you are more in the public eye, that part of it as well. Because obviously when you get interviewed, when you everyone wants to know about your love life, they're going to ask you those questions. And, and I guess, you know, it can be really difficult. I was reading this morning about Louise Redknapp, and obviously she's everywhere at the moment. And it's not necessarily in a great way for her. And I remember watching her on Strictly, and when she came away from that, it was like she sort of had kind of an epiphany in her life. And things changed for her a lot. And I remember thinking how brave she was, you know, that she'd done that show and then looked at her life and thought, actually, I'm not where I want to be. I'm more than just a mum and a wife. And, I, you know, I don't know what happened. But now she's got this book out and there's very negative press about that out there with lots of lines about sort of her and Jamie and saying, you know, she regrets not fighting hard enough. And it's all sort of put on her rather mm. than, you know, he was part of that marriage too, wasn't he? But it seems mm. to be, you know, uh, and I just think it, how incredibly difficult it is for her because he's moved on and he's been snapped with this model and, and she obviously hasn't been sort of pictured with any other guy. And that pressure that, that's put on you when people know who you are and that you've come away from a marriage and you're single again, it's everywhere, isn't it? It's quite uncomfortable. It's got to be. Yeah, well, it, it is. And I think you, again, it, you have to find your own way to relating to it, don't you? And, you know, and I don't know what's happening for Louise, but, you know, she might have decided that people that she sees, she doesn't kind of get photographed with, or she does keep it private, you know, yeah, maybe she wants exactly. to keep it separate. But you, yeah, I, it, it is hard. Um 
I think it's the same again. You know, it's like everything's magnified when you're in the public eye. It's kind of the same behavior like when you're not, because it's like if you're the single one, you, you know, probably your family are always saying, have you met anyone? Are you dating? You know, what's yeah. happening? Your friends want to know. So it's just like magnified on a bigger scale. Um, the problem is, is when there's like judgments that come into it, you know, and kind of essentially what is bullying, you know, which is like so out of order. Um so that that is tough and it's and it is tough i think it could it it then becomes hard to be able to trust other people's intentions and other people's agendas you know like yeah. who who you meet how you know if you are in the public eye there's that you haven't got that level of safety that you would have if you're not because you don't know mm. what what are they really after are they after the idea of you or the real you? You know, what are yeah. they going to do? Are they going to do a you know big kiss and tell and splash all your personal private, you know, information everywhere to be read? So I, I think it's really challenging. Um, but I think she was very brave to, to do what she did. And and let's face it, she would have had really good valid reasons. Not that she has to, mm. because it's her life to do it with exactly as she wishes. Um, but yeah. It's it's quite indicative of our kind of society that we all feel we have a right to chip in and weigh in on what's Yeah, isn't it? And I just feel that when I read it, it's all kind of let, put on her. She's got this book out with a kiss and tell all about her marriage. She left him. She, you know, and it's like, well, yeah, but it's two people, isn't it? He sort of comes out of this. Oh, look, he's with this Swedish model. Look at him. He's fabulous. I think mm, there's two people. But I don't know whether it's because she's female and, you know, the we're skewered in that way, press-wise, towards sort of beat up more on the woman or what it is, or the fact that she was the one that left him. So therefore, or so we believe, you know, I don't know. But it's interesting yeah. how it all it, sort of works out. In all of this, I always think about the children, you know, and you'll, yes. you'll, you'll think the same, Melinda, with the, the th your three. You know, it's all about making sure that the messages that they, they get and what they see um, – are the messages they get from you and what they see on the, in the media is is kept well apart and they know you know they really do know what's going on it's really important i think having been divorced and all the rest of it myself um and i think you've done that well because because you and um because i remember wayne when we did um when we did the live six show but you're you're still like the kids and everything with him i know they're older now and i'm the same with toby um but you know i've always kept a really good relationship with um toby um and i don't care what the circumstances are um to a point but you know it's all about the children and them them having happy parents on both sides and and even calling it sides is wrong i think but you're just both having happy parents in different places I think you're absolutely right. You know, if but if um, their their kind of well being, their needs are sacrosanct. Yeah. You know, they take priority mm -hmm. to whatever kind of griefs and hurts and pains. You know, you might be nursing. You know, is the is the parent that's no longer with the other parent. You know, there mm -hmm. it's it's. Um, it, that that parent is the other parent is a huge part of their life and it's half of them and like half yes. of their internal identity so if you start kind of like degrading the, the other you know then the child yes. kind of feels like part of them is being degraded so that is the last thing you ever want to do so it does mm. it does mean you have to be quite strong to be able to keep it separate and and 
you know, I, I kind of always looked at it that that um, our family had changed its shape. That's how I used to describe yes. it. You know, like it's changed shape yeah. now. It looks like this. It used to look like that. Now it looks like this. But that is still their family. You know, whether you're living mm-hmm. together or not, it's still their family. And yeah, and, and, and just to try and, you know, as you say, just to always have that at the front of my mind, you know, the, mm-hmm. the impact that it will that that it will have on them. So if one parent bad mouths the other, what? How is that going to impact the kids? Yeah, I think you're. Uh, yeah, I just know that you you have the same opinions as me on that one. And um, yeah, it's just. Uh, I always tell other women who are going through, you know, breakups, etc. Don't get bitter. Get better. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, simple as that. Simple yeah. As that. So over the years, I was just thinking, you know, all the different um, shows you've done. Um, you know, people always ask the same sort of thing. Oh, who's great to work with, or whatever. Who's your, you know, what's your fondest memory? Because I think it's great when you start looking back at all those amazing shows that we did. Um, and there were some, you know, property shows even like to buy or not to buy. I love doing that. I don't know about you, but also having to work with another presenter. Um, you often got thrust with someone that you might not, not have even had a, an, a a sort of audition with or whatever, you know, and you just get put with them. Um, were there any people that, you know, you still keep in touch with or you st- still make you smile, you know, feel good factors sort of people in, in the world of telly? Um, yes. yes. No, I hate them all. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, th- I feel like I was quite lucky, actually, with the people that I worked with. Yeah. Um, so I worked with Dominic Littlewood. Uh, we did oh, Cowboy yes. Builders and oh. Cowboy Traders. And I think we ended, We did about 10 seasons of that series. So, I don't know, over like eight years, maybe. So quite a long time. Um, and he was always mm. a joy to work with. You know, really good fun. Yeah what you see is what you get and um yeah yeah and I just think he's you know a wonderful guy um same with with uh, Richard Arnold we worked together on Loose Slips which was like a chat show when I was pregnant with Evie so 17 years ago and again just you know brilliant fun to be around and we all you know we can't we kind of bump into each other and and um catch up and it's like it's like there's no been no time between us so yeah you know, although they're people that I don't necessarily see or I'm in contact with all the time that that lovely warm feeling is always there um I used to call them telly husbands. I go, who's my telly husband this time? Yeah. You know, because you would be in hotels, you'd be eating together, you know, you'd wake up in the morning, go down for breakfast, like, all right, yeah, how are you? Yeah, all right, you gonna get me a cup of tea, please. You know, and you ended up having these telly husbands, and you know, and it, re- it really felt like that. Obviously, no rumpy pumpy or anything, but yeah. it was this relationship you couldn't quite explain to anyone when you got home. It was like, well, what's it like? I was like well, they're just always there, and you know, you just you just roll into the. You spend more time not working with them because you're hanging around in between, you know, scenes, etc. And I mean, and you, and you get to know people really well, but I really miss that actually, because it was this unique kind of friendship that you, you had. Um, and, you know, and it, it was more intense because you'd be in sort of all these bizarre places or really miserable places sometimes. Um, and, you know, all you had was each other and a bit of a giggle. Um, and I, I just think you probably had, very similar sort of experiences. 
completely similar experiences so i totally relate to that i totally get that you know there's something about the fact that not it is quite a weird job to do isn't it you know people it's weird for people to understand but the person you're working with gets it because you're doing the same thing you know and yeah, yeah and so there there is kind of quite a unique relationship that develops because you both understand what is required of you what the challenges are what the, you know what the good bits are um and yeah, I, I love working with, I mean, I, I, I remember when shows and things would come in or get pitched, I always wanted to, I never wanted to do them on my own. I never wanted to be the only presenter. I'd always be like, can, can we get somebody else? Because <laughs> I like working with other people, you know, that it was like, yeah. it just, yeah, it was, it's a joy. It's a joy. And we've got to ask before we wrap this up, you and Jenny, obviously you've got so much in common. And one of the big things is how amazing you both look. Um, in, in you know, you turned 50 this year and Jen's 51 and you both look absolutely amazing. 52, 52. Thanks, Kelly. Sorry. Um, and she, Jenny talks about Nana Naps and yoga being the key to her looking. Um, uh, so for you, I think there'll be loads of our lovely mum listeners. So obviously it'll be really excited to, to hear um, this episode and they'll want to know how you sort of keep yourself looking so amazing. So I just wondered, do you have any secret tips like Jen? Is it a Nana Nap yoga? Well, there's got to be something in the napping because I'm a massive fan of the nap um, and sleep. Yeah, I, I mean, I get I get to bed early. I love sleeping. Yeah, always happy <laughs> to have a nap. So there's definitely something in that. Uh, yoga is another good one for me. I, I reckon it's anything where you just give yourself a bit of time out, to be honest. Yeah, um, anytime. Yeah, if you can rest and recharge, I reckon that's probably a big part of it because I'm, I'm a, I'm a kind of... I do meditate and and some and I also spend a lot of time just resting doing absolutely nothing um and I think that just helps keep every keep the equilibrium going and just you know everything can kind of regenerate and repair a bit whereas if you're just kind of full throttle trying to power through getting really stressed and too much to do yeah, yeah then you know it's probably going to take its toll so yeah i think being nice to yourself <laughs> it's the secret I like it's such good advice though because lots of mums and myself included i used yes. to do this all the time if i wasn't so busy that my day was just jam-packed with stuff i would feel like i wasn't doing what i should be you know mm. and i think there's a lot of mums and women like that you know my kids are very small so it's quite high energy in our house um but i've learned that actually when they're not here, if I want to sit and watch a bit of Netflix for an hour and take that time out, that's fine. You know, I shouldn't. Yeah. And myself. also, you've got to remember, right? The kids can wait. I think sometimes <laughs> yeah. I watch people and I'm like, you know what? Your kids can wait, right? <laughs> they can, and unless you start overdoing it, and then they expect to be entertained and they expect all these things. I so said, sometimes just leave them to it and let them have their own time. But it's easier said than done. But I mean, I haven't seen Pollyanna for seven weeks now. She's upstairs. And I said, look, you can wait, Pollyanna. You're 12. You know, I'll see you in about eight weeks' time. You'll be fine. You haven't locked you the door, wait. though, Jenny, have you? No, not yet. <laughs> She's getting food and water, isn't she? <laughs> 
it's so lovely to see your face, you know. Oh, it's, it's been so such a good episode. Our producer's messaged yeah. and he's like, this is such a good episode. It's so good. So that's always a really good sign when, because Callum's only in his 20s. So, you know, three women talking about life. He bless him. He's yeah. seen, but, but he's been listening and he's loving it. So that's a good sign. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Older birds. Jenny, we could work on this together. Maybe we've got an invention. The Hot Mess Mums Club with Swan. Thanks to Swan for sponsoring this episode. And don't forget to check out their brand new stealth range to give your kitchen a sleek and stylish refresh this Easter. Just head to swanbrand.co.uk, use the discount code HOTMESSMUMS20 for 20% off. 